Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory Game Preview Edition for Week 5, Sunday Night Football in Arrowhead. Could not be more excited for this game against the Indianapolis Colts. Here to tell me or talk to me about this game are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane, hello, my friend. Kent. Could you be more excited for this game if it was the AFC Championship game? Uh, probably. Oh, right. I would. I, just, I would really like to play the Jacoby Brissett-led Colts in the AFC Championship game if we could just make that happen. That'd be great. I mean, he might not be the not best quarterback in the AFC South. I'm. There's too many. I'm. I'm confused by that statement. <laughs> that was. That was the this goal. Is, this is like Maddie's game again. <laughs> No, I didn't ask you to spell yet. But speaking of which, do you want to spell out our third buddy, Craig Stout's Twitter handle for all the listeners? No. Sup, guys? How are we doing today? Uh, th- I love that intro. That is my favorite intro that I've ever gotten. There was nothing complimentary about it. There was nothing really good about it or th- that we could speak of. I just, yeah, I, I, I dig that one. Leave it to Craig. Maddie. Leave it to Craig to shine through such a difficult and struggling <laughs> opening. I like the opening. And we're getting out in a minute and a half. This is a new record. Anyone that doesn't like our small talk is very happy. So let's just jump right into it. That's everybody three- that doesn't like yeah. our small talk. Besides Pretty Pete. Much. Pete enjoys listening to it while he has to edit everything. Yeah, it's true. Uh, three storylines on offense and defense as we do every single week for your Friday listening. We'll start with this one. Wait, 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 wait. Can we start with defense? No. Okay. Uh, we fine. can. Okay. No. no, that's fine. Continue. Back to Just the first. Just tuning out for the uh, first half of this, guys. I'll be back later. Well, the uh, the offense had a rough go of it in Detroit and still put 27 points up on the board. But the reason that they didn't have a ton of success offensively or not up to the standards that we're used to in Kansas City is because they couldn't protect the football. The Lions made a conscious choice and a conscious effort to try to knock the ball out of uh, out of it, dislodging the ball from all, all the pass catchers and weapons that this team presents you. Maybe trying to steal a possession here or two. I it was it was it seemed like a very concerted effort, a very you know focused effort. And guys, I wonder if we're not going to see this a lot more moving forward. Teams trying to steal a possession, trying trying to trying to steal two possessions from this team. But I think when you have a team like the Chiefs that is so dangerous when they get these weapons with the ball in their hand, you see you guys like McCall Hardman, Sammy Watkins, any one of the running backs, they're trying to make plays once they have the ball in their hands. They get these opportunities. They want to pick up extra yards. To run as good as they do, to be more elusive as a runner in the NFL, you don't hold the ball high and tight. It just doesn't give you as much body control to make guys misses. The ball gets a little loose if you're trying to make people miss. It's just a fact. It 
haunted Jamal Charles' entire career. There's little, there's people all throughout the NFL that hold the ball loose and they're trying to make guys miss. These Chiefs weapons are no different than anybody else that plays the game of football. And the Lions definitely took advantage of that. They were coming in. They were trying to punch the ball numerous times. They tried a lot more than three times and they just didn't quite get it. They didn't hit the ball perfectly with the fist, but they were trying all game. And I wouldn't be surprised to see more teams take note of that, pay attention to ball security, especially when guys are running in the open field and try to do the exact same thing. Yeah. And if, uh, Ball security and holding it high and tight is directly related to elusiveness. LaShawn McCoy is the most elusive player <laughs> in the NFL right now. My my man does not know how to hold that ball next to his next to his body. No, it's like Jim Brown. It is. It, just, <laughs> it really is. Palming it. Yeah. I I do think that teams are probably going to try to knock the ball out a little bit more. Steve Spagnuolo actually was asked about this today and he made the comment is like, you know, when you're a defensive coordinator, you have to pick and choose your moments because when you got guys that are taking swings at the ball like Justin Coleman was, and granted, he was pinpoint this week, but if you have guys taking swings at the ball like that, you miss, that's a missed tackle. Like the, you're not going to result in a tackle trying to punch the ball loose like that. I, I get it's kind of a big risk reward thing with the Chiefs offense. You can potentially end the drive right there. But if you miss a tackle against McCall Hardman, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, you may give up a touchdown. You may see these guys house something like that. So I do think that there's going to be a little bit of a risk-reward situation mm-hmm. there. There may be some teams that try and do that. I think that maybe more traditional defensive coordinators are going to just try and wrap our guys up and try and bring them down. You can bet that the Chiefs, uh, that Eric Bieniemy probably specifically, I could see this being a very Eric Bieniemy thing to do, is just emphasizing you know, protecting the football. And I think it's, it is a... It is, you made a good point, Matty. These guys are trying to, you know, make people miss in space, and that's when the ball isn't loose. But some of the situations where the Chiefs were losing the football were situations where they probably should have been holding a little bit tighter, like McCall Hardman running into traffic. That probably was a situation you probably need to be protecting the football. Sammy Watkins, uh, that was really good timing on his. Daryl Williams, it seemed like it might have been a uh, a little bit of mis- miscommunication at the mesh point too. They they kind of had some issues with the mesh point between Daryl Williams and Patrick Mahomes this week. But hopefully they get all those things right and it's not an issue moving forward because I think you're kind of seeing in some instances, even against tougher opponents, the only thing keeping the Chiefs from winning is them beating themselves with stuff like penalty mm-hmm. or turnovers and, and penalties and stuff like that. Okay, one of the other struggles that the Chiefs had uh, in the game last week, getting the ball down the field with success. Patrick Mahomes had one of his worst games really throwing the ball and trying to attack the team attack, attack a team deep. Uh he was not able to connect, connect consistently at all this week. It was just it was it was a more it was a more Alex Smithian performance. I'm not I don't want to say that, but it kind of was. You know, you're seeing a lot more uh you know dink and dunk kind of The kinda fourth plays. and nine run was definitely an Alex Smithian thing to do. Oh yeah. No, that was great. And that, I mean that in the best compliment ever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but so, you know, I think this could be a week where the Chiefs could challenge the Colts down the field, and hopefully they're able to have a little bit more success this week, Matty. You, you mean, you certainly hope so. There was This is the first time in his career, I think, that Patrick Mahomes did not complete a 20-yard pass, pass considered that was deep down the field. He was 0 for 9 on such throws. 
there was plenty of them open, not only just like go routes down the sidelines or anything, but there was a lot of those over routes. The Chiefs love to run. The Lions were specifically undercutting them. As soon as a Chiefs wide receiver shown that they were going to make an inside break, Lions cornerbacks were turning, going underneath the route and just sprinting diagonally across the field. It was so obvious that if the wide receiver would have just stopped in his spot, wherever he was, he would have been wide open. But that's not what the route called for, so they're obviously not going to do it. But even doing that, these guys were getting over the top of the corners and Pat was just missing the touch throws up and over the guys undercutting the routes. He hits a couple of those. This game looks entirely different. We just got to get back to that. I don't think that Mahomes is going to be that off again going into a game. With that said, the Colts do try to take that away a little bit. They do do a pretty good job of trying to get keep everything in front of them and rely on team speed to rally to the ball. So there might not be as many vertical windows open, but there's going to be some tight windows that he'll need to hit kind of in that intermediate range that he just wasn't hitting against the Lions. Yeah, and I expect him to get those right this week. Uh, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, I expect those guys to kind of thrive in those intermediate routes a little bit. It is worth noting that they do not have all-world safety uh, Malik Hooker out there. And that's a guy that completely changes the dynamic of that defense. Our guy, Zach Hicks, uh, one of the Colts SB Nation writers, mentioned that um, that he... Uh, Rocky Sin was is basically the best corner on that Colts team, and that wasn't a big praise for Rocky Sin. He's been, he's been learning, he's been getting better, but the rest of those corners have kind of regressed. They don't really have a bunch of guys that can that can really do it and click on some of that stuff. So the Chiefs are definitely going to have a little easier time beating some of the coverages that the Colts are going to throw at them this week. We'll see if they get loose deep. All right, the third and final storyline on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we're expecting Damian Williams to get back. And Maddie, I know you're curious to see how that looks with Damian Williams' return. 100%. I think I kind of called at the beginning of the year that week four was when I thought LaShawn McCoy was going to take over as kind of the running back one or the feature running back, so on and so forth. And we kind of got that, but it was by injury. So now the question is going to become, where does Damian Williams fall into this? Is he going to be the third down back? He seems like he's the best fit for the pass, the receiving back. He's got that good linear speed. He runs really good routes. I think McCoy's just simply a better natural runner. He understands how to be patient, to read the blocks, to set everything up. We've seen this every week. He has a big run every week, which is really helping out his kind of yards per carry stat because the Chiefs run blocking just isn't a grind it into the ground, get four or five yards every single carry kind of rushing attack. I did see that LaShawn McCoy thinks leading the NFL in terms of yards per carry from the shotgun by a comfortable margin, and it really shows. I hope he keeps that role with Damian Williams back, but they got to find a way to get him on the field as a receiver, if not getting a few carries, because he is dynamic when you get him going downfield vertically. Yeah, I think you're going to see, you know, obviously not Darwin Thompson. He's had a very, very limited role in a lineup in front of him that maybe he could have cracked. Uh, Daryl Williams, I think, has earned some more snaps with his play recently. But kind of as Matty had said uh, in the previous podcast this week, a lot of those plays at the end of the game where Daryl Williams was the primary target, uh, maybe you should have gone to LaShawn McCoy. Maybe he he's able to make a little more out of some of those. It looks like maybe LaShawn McCoy's on a bit of a pitch count. 
we're going to see that Damian Williams is going to be able to come in and have a lot of those roles. And that pleases us because he's a more dynamic receiver. He can convert some of that stuff, especially late game with some tired legs on the field. He can break some of those open, be a little more dynamic than Daryl Williams is. I still want Daryl to get some of these runs. He's definitely earned them, but I do expect that Damian Williams will be, if LaShawn McCoy has to come out, will be that guy at the end of the game. Daryl has barreled into the rotation. Uh, one couple couple things. I think LaShawn McCoy, when he's been in in the game, I think the offenses look better, flat out. Uh, I think he's you know, and his he's done he's done the most work and the best work in the run game to this point. Uh, and with Damian Williams, he's never been able to carry a big load. I mean, he's really consistently struggled to stay healthy, and he's struggled to to really rack up a ton of carries i think my i think his most carries my like 50 ish somewhere in that range during the regular season or something along those lines so you know he's a guy that has not really been able to you know withstand the rigors of a of an nfl season you know as a lead guy and that's okay he's still got a ton of value to this football team he's got some dynamic ability in the passing game and he's still going to be needed in some stretches here but i just wonder if he's not going to be the workhorse or the lead guy in this committee moving forward, I would bet on it not. All right, we're going to take a break, and we will be back right after this for, with three storylines on the defensive side of the football. Okay, time to talk about the defense. Craig is – you can't see because you're not able to see the live stream. Craig is jumping for joy right now. Jumping. I mean, I, the, Man has man has hops, and not just the ones that he uses to brew beers. Uh, I'm on one tonight, guys. Uh, I, I see how it is. Uh, Craig, one thing you wanted to talk about is zone beating concepts. Uh, in for the defense, you know they're gonna have to really be good against some zone beating concepts. Yes, uh, the way that Frank Reich and the Colts offense have kind of designed things for Jacoby Brissett, they, they've kind of put him in a spot where he can hit open windows and he can, he can kind of stress some of these zone defenders, hit him on the seams and stuff like that. We saw against the Lions early in the game, the Chiefs struggled with, you know, kind of their zone spacing, some of their zone communication, passing guys off. They're really going to try and test the Chiefs' zone defense. Watching the Falcons game, watching the Raiders game that the Colts played against, they really tried to open things up, give Brissett good throwing windows. They give him lots of times to throw, lots of flood concepts, high-low concepts. We've talked about sale concepts because he's got such a great offensive line. They can have him sit back there, let these things develop, trying to hit these seams in the zone. So the Chiefs are really going to be stressed there. They've got to tighten it up from what we saw against Detroit. And one of the things about Jacoby Brissett is he's not a big risk taker. He's not, either it's not comfortable enough yet or it's just not his style. He's not going to try to fit the ball into super tight windows. He'll wait a second. He'll let that tight window pass and see if he can find a safer pass underneath. He'll take what's given to him and he'll pick it up over and over again consistently. He does a very good job of it. And that's kind of something that I think is a Chiefs fan kind of is a little bit scary because the Chiefs are prone to coverage busts. They are a little bit prone to having cornerbacks that don't do a great job sticking on their wide receivers 
early, late, anytime really. And so at this point in time, you kind of got to hope that these guys are passing players off quickly between their zones. When a player is asked to get us to a specific depth, they got to get there because if you give Brissett an open guy to throw to, he's going to hit him and he'll take plenty of time to find that man. You can't just get out of position against him. The Colts will make you pay. And like the Chiefs, they have some athletes catching the football that you're going to have to be ready to take them down immediately or they can turn these short ones into big gains. All right, one other thing that we're looking at for this game. Uh, it's something we've talked a little bit about the last couple weeks with, with the outside run game, with the stretch runs. Uh, if Marlon Mack goes, that could be a pretty big problem for this team, right, Matt? Last year in the playoffs, the Chiefs did a pretty good job in keeping Marlon Mack under control. Now, part of that was they jumped out to a relatively early lead. The Colts had Andrew Lux. They felt comfortable trying to throw the ball around a little bit more, too. But Marlon Mack's a pretty dynamic runner. The Indianapolis Colts have a fantastic offensive line. They will let these guys go one-on-one with any player against the run and the pass, and they expect them to come out and win. And against a Chief team that has struggled mightily against the run, that's definitely something to keep an eye out for. When you're defending, we've kind of seen the last two weeks now, the Ravens were able to get outside on the Chiefs and really hurt them on the edges. Last week, the Lions ran a lot of outside zone, these kind of stretch runs, but they were banging it back inside a lot because the over-pursuit was coming. The Chiefs got to find the midline. They got to be able to stretch the runs out on the outside. Your defensive ends or your linebackers got to hold better contain, force the running back to cut back inside, but then you got to have players at home. So they just got to be more gap sound or the Colts could really get going here, and they haven't shown the ability to do so yet. Yeah, not at all. Marlon Mack, frankly, terrifies me in the same way that Carrion Johnson terrified me. They, they remind me a little bit of each other's, their ability to cut back against the grain as well as stretch it out. If Marlon Mack cannot go, which he hasn't practiced so far this this week, Naheem Hines is going to stretch run. He's not very a good between. Athlete. He's a very good athlete. He's not a between the tackles runner. That does make it a little easier for the Chiefs because you know some of those cutback lanes and things like that that are getting blown wide open. Naheem Hines isn't quite as dynamic. Isn't quite as able to and he doesn't have that vision to cut it back he's going to try and get to the edge as much as possible the Chiefs have to be crashing down on those they can kind of live out there with some of their alignments a little bit and try and win that way like Matt said get Frank Clark up the you know up the arc a little bit have him disrupt same with Alex Okafor Emmanuel Ogba those guys have to win this week in the run game because if Marlon Mack's not there they're going to try and get Naeem Hines into space as much as possible and Craig, I was going to say, yeah, I don't think Marlon, I don't think Naheem Hines sees it, sees it as well as Marlon Mack does, flat out. He's more of a pass catcher type player and a space player, like you said. So I, I totally agree there. But the other thing about, you know, the run game for the Colts, they have a really good offensive line. Uh, <laughs> that One of the better offensive lines in the National Football League. So this is a very big task for this group. Uh, the, the front has to play well. They, they got to play well this week. Uh, Frank Clark, we're uh, we're gonna see what we're gonna see what what you're up to this week. It's gonna be a big challenge. Uh, okay, one other thing that you guys have been kind of keeping an eye on uh, is Juan Thornhill's usage. Looks like he got pulled a couple times last week against Detroit, Maddie. Yeah, and I've been trying to figure out if there's any rhyme or reason to when he's getting pulled without you know getting having a coach come out and tell us for sure. 
And it kind of seems like a drive after there's a coverage bust that you could potentially put on Juan Thornhill. He seems to kind of come out the next series. Maybe they're talking to him on the sideline, letting him see how it goes. Maybe they just feel more comfortable putting Daniel Sorensen back in the game instead of Juan Thornhill just to make sure things kind of don't get out of hand. But it's happened a few times now. It's not a lot. It's just about one, maybe two series a game that Juan Thornhill just kind of takes a quick breather on the sideline. Hopefully he's talking to coaches, getting to see how somebody else like Sorensen, who's an NFL veteran, is running that same defense. Something else, though, it keeps creeping up into my mind. I wonder if there's a correlation to when the Chiefs are expecting to face a run-heavy attack. Because while Juan Thornhill's range is amazing, and he really comes down to fill the alley against the run, he saved a couple big plays from being bigger plays with his ability to make tackles. He has a tendency to dive at ankles and take semi-poor angles and end up missing the tackle. And I just wonder if they're trying to fulfill a better tackling role at the safety if they're expecting kind of a run-heavy attack on that drive. Right. And the two drives that Juan Thornhill came out right after the first drive of the game, there's a first quarter there, and the Lions have scored a touchdown, miscommunication in the in coverage for Thornhill. And then right after the Lions kicked the field goal after uh after uh, one of the Chiefs fumbles in the third quarter. So both of those situations, the Lions were up. They were winning at that point. They needed to, you know, have somebody in there that can maybe protect and guard against the run a little bit better like we've seen. Thornhill has had these issues all year long, but it's different when you're protecting a 14-point lead, 17-point lead, and you can have him back there expecting that they're going to try and throw because that's where he's really going to thrive and he needs the reps frankly I'm not worried about him he's going to be a very good player he is a very good player but he does need the reps I think maybe Steve Spagnuolo was trying to protect the lead a little bit but it is something worth monitoring in this game and going forward if there is that rotation that may start to tip off what they're trying to do a little bit more yeah, and uh, that'll definitely be something to monitor, see if we can get a bigger sample size, see if we can kind of get you know a different idea of, of what the trends are. But yeah, Craig said it. There's no reason to worry about Juan Thornhill to this point. He's four games into his career. If he's getting pulled in some situations, that's kind of normal. The guy's starting, for crying out loud. I mean, he's already getting a ton and earned a ton of opportunities to this point. Maybe they're just... You know, there's there's just a few things where they're you know wanting to maybe let him see things from the sideline a little bit, or you know see improvement as a tackler. I think that's one of the big things. I totally agree. He's he's not been good tackling to this point. He's been in position a lot, which is great. And maybe Dan Sorensen's not always in that position, but Dan Sorensen's probably finished in the tackle. Mm-hmm. Well, All right, is guys. he? Is he? Well. <laughs> Dan Sorensen's yeah. not diving at ankles. How yes, about that? Yes, that is there true. We go. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. We'll go with that one. Okay, we got players to watch on both sides of the ball. Craig, kick us off with the offense. Who are you watching on offense? I, we talked about him a little bit already. I want to see Damian Williams coming off of this injury. I want to see his dynamic nature. I hope it's still there. Like we mentioned, he he's just... A, another element that the Chiefs don't necessarily have when he's not there as a pass catcher. They don't get to run the same kind of routes. They don't get the same kind of dynamic nature for him, even though Darrell Williams had a fantastic catch on a laser from Pat Mahomes. That was a but, 
That was one of the best throws of the season that it, no one's talking about. It really, really, really was. That was a fantastic catch. But Damian Williams probably has two yards of separation on that guy at that point. I just want to see his integration back into this offense, see if it maybe clicks a little more, picks up some more of these third downs. We've seen Damian Williams in the games that he's been active kind of go that extra mile a little bit more, pick up some of those tough yards on third downs in the passing game. I think maybe that that little element was missing with his absence the past, you know, past couple games here. My guy to watch is Mitchell Schwartz. I know during kind of the camp process in the preseason, he was dealing with a little bit of back stuff. And so far to start this year, he just hasn't looked like the same Mitchell Schwartz in years past. I think part of it is the Chiefs offense is ever evolving. Patrick Mahomes is clearly running the show. This offense is fully adapted to him, which means a lot more ad-libbing. Mahomes is drifting pretty deep in pockets because he has the arm to throw from an extra yard or two deep. It lets him see the field a little better. And the interior offensive line's been shaky too, but you've seen a few times where Schwartz is getting beat up the arc, and I'm just wondering if he's not used to blocking to that same depth on a consistent basis like he has been this year. Beyond that, you've seen a couple reps, especially against Trey Flowers, where he was able to just pretty much bully him out of the way on the on an inside move. So I just want to see Schwartz kind of return back to form, start to get his feet back under him. And it's not an easy matchup. Justin Houston is the kind of rusher that usually gives him problems. The guy's a little bit more power and technique heavy than just pure speed. So if Justin Houston gets over there, that's a matchup to watch. If not, he'll have... Kamoko Ture or Jabal Sheard across from him. I just want to see him look dominant again and kind of stall people out because I think it's been just about every week this week year you found a couple plays where Shorts you're just like, okay, that's not usual for him to get beat like that. But when it happens mm-hmm. week after week, it just starting to perk my ears up a little bit that maybe that back is still bothering him or maybe he's a little uncomfortable in this particular protection scheme right now. Yeah, and you're right, Maddie. This is a big test for him this week. Uh, so it's worth monitoring it, and it's a good idea to be keeping an eye on him this week. I'm going with Sammy Watkins. It's not been a as explosive last three weeks as what you saw the first week. He's getting a little bit more attention at some times. I think he struggled to separate a little bit at times this week uh, against the Lions. He, I don't know if he's 100%. Maybe he's... Maybe he's you know a little bit hurt. You saw him kind of limping around a little bit last week, but it does look like he's just he's not quite as explosive. Maybe not uh, as consistent as he was earlier in the season. And I mean that's I'm, it's nothing. I'm not alarmed, but it's definitely something I want to keep an eye on this week, uh, and it's worth monitoring him as well. I will say this: regardless of that first game, he's still getting you know fit between fifty and sixty-five yards a game. So he, the last three weeks, it's not like he's just fallen off the face of the earth. He's still averaging you know a little over fifty yards receiving a game, which is a, a fine season. And I will frankly. say I against mean, the Lions, he drew their best available cover corner in Justin Coleman. Justin Coleman, who's a very good player, the goat. He. Sammy Watkins beat him on a few more plays than he got passes for, whether Mahomes is looking somewhere else or he was under pressure and he wasn't able to give him the ball. But when I went back to watch, Watkins did give Coleman the business plenty. He just wasn't always targeted on it. And a lot of it was the usage. Sammy Watkins ran at least 10 over routes and all but one of them. Justin Coleman immediately went to undercut and just forced Pat to throw it up over the top where they were kind of playing safety help. So he didn't get the best of help from the coaching staff, but he does got to come down with some of these contested catches. Like we're starting to get a couple weeks into it now where there's been a few too many balls broken up at the catch point for Sammy. 
Mm-hmm. And ball protection, too, because uh, we saw that last week as well. All right, defense, Craig. All right. My guy that I led this season that I was really excited to see, Alex Okafor. Um, Alex Okafor has, frankly, been a disappointment. Frank Clark is getting all this attention. We've talked about it. Trust me, everybody in Kansas City won't stop talking about Frank Clark and the amount of attention he's getting or not attention he's getting or however you want to take it. Whatever the case may be, Alex Okafor is getting less attention. And Alex Okafor is not doing, frankly, enough, especially in the run game where before this season, he has shown significantly better than what we're seeing on the field right now. He wasn't necessarily a great run defender, but he was a good run defender. He he was able to set the edge. Well, we have not seen that this season. Guys, they've been going around the right edge of the defense like it's nothing. Or Sorry, the left edge of the defense, right edge of the offense like it's nothing where Alex Okafor is located there. You've got to see Alex Okafor step up. It's a really tough task. He's probably going up against Braden Smith, who looks very good this season. This is a very good offensive line, but he really has to step up, set these good hard edges in the run game because he's very, very, very important to making sure that Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack don't get loose this week. In sticking with the aspect of stopping the run, my guy to watch on defense is going to be Damian Wilson. I think he's been by and far the Chiefs' most impressive linebacker. I think he just seems to have a little bit more aggression coming downhill against the run. He's shown more flashes against the pass than I expected. I still think that he doesn't look particularly natural trying to drop and cover guys. You've seen like that touchdown, that fantastic throw by Matthew Stafford between like every defender on the Chiefs team. Damian Wilson was just kind of he was cocked weird. He was shuffling rather than dropping. Like he just wasn't in a position to even attempt to alter that pass as it whizzed by him. Not that he could have, just little plays like that where he's not a natural coverage linebacker. But that's okay if he keeps playing like he has against the run. I like his demeanor, his aggression. The only thing I really want to see is him, Hitchens, they got to figure out who's spilling, who's filling, because right now both guys seem to be flowing at the same speed in the same direction too often, and it's allowing both of them to get beat off the same cutback at time in and time again. So I just want to see somebody, and I'm leaning on Damian Wilson this time because he's looked better so far. I just want to tag before Kent drops this guy here. Guys, the best coverage defender for the Chiefs defense this year that's had any amount of targets is Damian Wilson. Seriously. He he has a 72% success rate in coverage. The next highest guy is Bashad Breland. So he's doing you know we yapped and yapped about how how terrible the linebackers were in coverage last year Damian Wilson has been a big surprise on that front that's not to say that he's going to continue to be that way but so far this season he's done a very good job against the pass he showed some promise in training camp even too like I was a little bit I was kind of pleasantly surprised with what I saw in training camp and I'm not saying I, I I'm not trying to say he's I don't want him on TJ Hawkinson down the field. No. Wow. He's got surprisingly (laughs) good ball skills. He does a good job locating the ball as it's getting to his target. Even if he's slightly beat, he does a good job identifying the ball and trying to make a play on it. Something that our corners could learn a thing or two from. Second best ball skills on the team right there. Uh, Damian Wilson. Do we we have – can we – Speaking of the cornerback position, we went 30 minutes 
of this show uh. without talking about our cornerback savior, Mo Claiborne. <laughs> he's back, guys. I, I'm not even sure he's going to be active, if I'm being honest. I, I would guess he probably is, but... Uh, I'm, I, we're gonna find out how much op, you know, how much opportunity he gets his first week back. Are they going to ease him in? Are they gonna let him play at all? I'm sure he'll probably get some run. Maybe it's in garbage time, and based on all of our predictions, he's gonna have some garbage time. Uh, so yeah, it's it, I'm I'm curious to see what what we get out of Mo Claiborne. Uh, if if we get any idea of of what he's gonna be looking like this season, and how uh, how much we get of him. All right, fellas, it's prediction time. Craig, lead us off. All right. Um, I've got this game with Marlon Mack and T.Y. Hilton playing in it. They are two very dynamic players. They do the things that the Chiefs defense is the worst at defending. I... I'm frankly a little bit tentative about this game. I do think that the offense is going to be able to put up plenty of points. I don't think the Colts defense is very good, but I do think that the Colts offense with those two guys on the field can hang around a little bit longer than we want. Defense comes up with a couple late stops to make this look a little bigger than it actually is, but I'm going 38-27 in a closer game than that looks. So... Like most weeks, Craig and I are pretty lockstep on the score. I got the Chiefs 41, the Colts 27, but I think we get there through the entirely opposite path. I don't think the game is as close as that score looks. I think the Colts last year played very good football. They they executed their game plan and their performances as close to their talent ceiling as humanly possible, and that is bound to fall off at some point in time in the NFL, and I think you're seeing that this year, especially without Andrew Luck. The overall team talent from top to bottom for the Colts, I don't think is good enough to keep up with the Chiefs. I think they will just simply be outmatched, especially when the Chiefs have the ball and the Chiefs defense will be able to do just enough against Jacoby Brissett, especially if Marlon Mack won't play, to keep a comfortable lead for the Chiefs most of the game. Late in the fourth quarter, Andy Reid's going to start to kind of take his foot off the gas. It'll probably start even earlier, maybe mid-third quarter. Let the Colts get somewhat back into it for that 41-27 to victory. But I think the Chiefs will comfortably control this from the start. I keep picking the Chiefs defense to have kind of a, I don't want to call it a breakout game, but a, 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 a mini breakout game where you, you see know better. Well, you have the well, savior, Morris Claiborne. Craig... <laughs> All your guys' points are valid about the run game and how it can present problems in a good offensive line and, and all that stuff's great. That's a great point. If the Chiefs get out to a big enough lead, the game script isn't neutral. Yeah. And you want to know something? Do you know how many points the Kansas City Chiefs defense gave up to the Indianapolis Colts in the playoff game last year? No, I honestly don't remember. I was there. I, I don't remember. 13. Oh, okay. 13 points. They scored 31. This week, the Chiefs scored 31 points on offense. Seven from a Juan Thornhill pick six. And the Chiefs only give up 13 points. 38-13, Kansas City Chiefs well, on kids, Sunday Night Football. That this happened is- with Justin Houston and D. Ford. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's happening again this week without them. Good Alex Okafor shows up. This that, is that's guys, what Kent's saying. This is going. This is going to be 
Chiefs Bengals Sunday night football like it was last year. Whew. It's going to be a big W. It's a get right game. They learned from their mistakes last week. They they're pissed off for greatness. And the Chiefs win 38-13. That's going to do it for this week's episode this week. We will be back to uh, break this game down through the mailbag on, uh, on Tuesday. Catch you later.